Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. That feels kind of weird. First podcast I've actually recorded since last Saturday. I suppose it's fortunate that uh, nothing really happened in the NBA over the last six days or so, but we did manage to get shows out. I'm proud of that fact, even if yesterday's show was sort of a throwaway, because you guys have already done that. I don't. Right after we recorded, look, here's the... Here's the the thing, full disclosure, and you guys probably figured this out. I ran out of content. I had enough content for three road shows. I didn't really have a fourth road show, but I thought it might be interesting to just talk about how to look at analysts, how to figure out who fits with you, and how that's probably who you should stick with. Because there really is so much information out there, and a lot of it is in disagreement So you find the one that fits the way you like to play, the way you like to build your team, the way you like to think about fantasy sports, and you roll on that front. But I probably could have said that in 30 seconds instead of a 15-minute toss-away show. But guess what? I'm back. And the one thing that did happen while I was gone is that Yahoo reopened fantasy basketball. I think it happened yesterday, actually, but I'm going to go ahead and pretend that it happened today, that they were just waiting until I got home to welcome me back and say, Dan... You can look at the end results from your teams from last year again. No, you can also open up new leagues. You can do whatever you want. And Yahoo has their first X ranks out, which are uh, surprising. And I, I mentioned that I was surprised in a, a kind of a, a offhand tweet about an hour ago or so. And, and then I realized that people hearing me say that probably think, that I'm surprised by how low certain guys are. I'm actually surprised by how high and how aggressive Yahoo got on guys that are not usually the aggressive-ranked types. So I thought something we could do today to celebrate the fact that Yahoo has reopened their leagues is... Well, for one, I did a mock draft and I auto-drafted my team because I really just wanted to see where people were going... But more importantly, what does this first board look like, and what do we think is going to happen next? Now, looking back, I don't even really know why I did the mock draft, because I don't care what people are doing. I I just don't think anything's going to stick from right now. Like, 70% of the mock draft was on auto-draft by the sixth round anyway. So none of that stuff is real. First one, two rounds maybe are relatively real. But that'll change within the next couple of days. 
Still, here's the thing. We're going to get our first batch of ADP data from Yahoo in the next week, probably, or two at the absolute longest. And it's going to be heavily built on the board that they set up. They present you the game board, and a lot of people draft from the game board. But here's what it looks like right now, just in case you're not looking at it. This would probably be a better thing to do on video. And also, by the way, I'll mention that I'm going to try to do a mock draft on YouTube almost every single weekday between now and the start of the season. It won't work every single day. There will be uh, mornings, afternoons, whatever, where childcare gets in the way, just lack of time, that, that sort of thing to actually set up and do the video deal. But as many as I can, I will thought that might be kind of a fun thing to do on YouTube. And I'll tell you at the front end of those, if I'm going recon mode, because a lot of what I do this time of year, it's August frickin' 11th, people. This is recon time. This is not time to go out there and show your hand. If you're an analyst, you can try to be the smartest person in the room right now, and that's totally fine. But showing the entire hand right now messes up the board. Because what, 1% of leagues are probably getting drafted in these first few weeks that they're open on Yahoo? The vast majority is happening in early to mid-October. And that's not to say that you can't talk about all the players and say how you feel about them. But if you're out there screaming from the rooftops, Here is my greatest sleeper! They won't be one by the time people are drafting. You're helping six people at the expense of thousands. Come on, guys. We got to get in this thing together. Let's get in this thing together. Think about it this way. And I'll just use this podcast as an example. If I came on here today on August the 11th and I was like, ooh, look at this guy who has a Yahoo pre-rank of 155. Who is 100? I was just going to yell 155 off the top of my head. Who actually is one? Bogdan Bogdanovich. I shouldn't I should not have picked it. Well, whatever. I'm not actually looking at the list. I just yelled out the number 155. If I start yelling about that dude today on August 11th, when most of us aren't drafting for two full months from now. Season by the way doesn't start until October 24th, I think this year, so it's actually on the later side. I'm not helping anyone. I'm not. I'm not helping you guys because fine, you might be able to like put player 155 on your board, player X, I shouldn't have even said a number, you can write down player X as someone that's going to be a target of yours, but by the time October rolls around, we've all been yelling about him for so long that people are going to pick up on it. Whether it's just listeners, that's probably not even the case, other people spreading the word, telling their friends, it ends up on YouTube, on Twitter, other analysts see it, they start to rethink their numbers, It's this feedback loop thing where a buzz gets created and then you obliterate a player's win probability. Their ADP goes up the board. They're no longer a target. It's silly right now to put out your entire deck of cards. It's silly. And for you guys, the listeners... Of this podcast, I would be doing you a dramatic disservice. If I was just, if I came out here on the first day Yahoo Leaps open and I was like, Player X at ADP, blah, 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 is the one you want to get. Because by the time you guys draft, the other people in your league that don't listen to this podcast will have heard about it. 
It's just too much. It's too much. Everybody's got to dial it back. Not everyone has to be the smartest person in the room all the time. Be cool. So that's what we're going to do on this podcast. We're going to be cool. We're going to look at the top of the board. That's where we're going to focus a lot of our energies right now because what I say about Jason Tatum is not going to move him around the board very much. I think it's more important right now to take a first look at some of the players that I was surprised by and perhaps a little bit on why. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. That said, eight minutes into the podcast, welcome to the show. It's Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am your always irritable host, Dan Vespers, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, threads, wherever, mostly Twitter these days. There's a lot wrong with this website, more now than ever, but it is working properly for the time being, and so it is still the best place to get news fast. Deep sigh. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I suppose this is the time of year where I need to be a little bit more clear about who I am and where you can find me, because starting now, and very slowly and methodically every day for about the next two months, new people will start to find the podcast. That is an exciting thing that makes me want to do the shows with a little bit more oomph. And also not having recorded anything in six days, I I have some energy. Oh, also, the kids slept until 8 a.m. today, so I also have energy for that reason. Gee, maybe that's the bigger one. So here's what I'm looking at. Top of the board, not many surprises. But this is the way the X ranks look for the first 25 names. And we'll go through as many as we want to today. I don't know. I like to keep these shows in the 25 to 30 minute range in the offseason anyway, so we'll just sort of plod along for the next few, and I'll take a break when I feel like it. No surprises. At the top, Nikola Jokic is number one. Joel Embiid is number two. We have talked at some length on this show about how there's a possibility that those two players perhaps get reversed in final rankings this year. Um, I will say in the one mock draft I ran, Tyrese Halliburton went second off the board. Something to think about. I don't think that it's set in stone. I, Jokic going at one is almost set in stone. I mean, if as, as much as we talked about Joel Embiid having a case to go before him, I don't know that anybody would actually do it. Uh, but I do think that Joel Embiid is likely going to have the number two ADP when all of this stuff is said and done, and not just because that's where he's at on their pre-ranks, uh, because it actually just makes the most sense. 
Shea Gilgis-Alexander is number three. No surprises so far. Luka Doncic is number four because you're going to have a lot of punt stuff built in. Um, Want to look at, see if Yahoo has projections up yet. Uh, guess they sort of do. I think that's basically how their pre-ranks are built right now is, is on the projection engine. I don't know that there's uh, actually anything we should be too concerned with. Oh, let's look at this thing. Yeah, all right. So the projections are different than the X rank, which I don't know that there's even a, a great reason to go by the projections. They factor into games played in a significant manner. They've got... Jokic, it's 74 games played this year in their projections. That seems a bit on the high side. They've got Mikhail Bridges at all 82 on their projections. So... We can save that for another day. We'll go projections another day. So we'll, we'll pivot back to the preseason ranks, and we'll go from there. So no big surprises up at the top of the board. Luka Doncic, X rank 4. Halliburton, 5. I do think you'll see those guys get sort of mushed together. You'll see Luca go in front of Shea. You'll see Halliburton go in front of them both. We saw Halley in this mock draft I was just in go second. And then you've got kind of the next grouping, which is Tatum and Steph. And it does feel like those two guys are going to be going relatively close to one another, which they did in the mock draft. And then this is where surprises actually started to hit already. I had none in the first six. But Anthony Davis, number eight. On the Yahoo pre-rank board. Not surprising based on the results of last year, at least not on a per-game basis. Remember, he was number four. But AD has... I mean, he's, he really hasn't played a full complement of games in forever. The bubble year. You gotta go all the way back to 2019-2020. For the last time he actually played a reasonable number of basketball games in a season. So to see him this high really blew me away. Because last year, I know he had the great per game, but he finished at 17 by totals, and that's kind of more where I thought you might see him go was that early second round range because of the injury risk. But here we are, and mostly because I don't think anybody could make up their mind on who they thought should go after that Steph Tatum contingent. And you could even maybe argue that Tatum should be above and Steph should kind of be all by himself. But not surprisingly, after Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, number nine. Surprising for the same reason as AD. Kevin Durant was in that top five in per game, but he played in 47 games last year, and so he was number 34 by totals. And I'll admit, you guys, I went into the season hoping that we might be able to get AD and KD at the end of the first round, but if this board holds it all, and I have every reason to think that it probably will, and I'll tell you why when we get to some of the players behind them here on this this, this very first look... I don't know that the my desire to end up with those guys is nearly as high. I, I thought if KD, if those guys are going on the turn, maybe you just go full high risk mode at like 12 and 13, and you say, all right, well, if I get a, even a marginal number of games out of these dudes, my team is cooking. But eight and nine, first of all, you got no shot to get them together. Not that you'd want that anyway, but... That's a lot of risk to take on in the middle of the first round. You're not even late first round yet at pick eight. 
I don't know. What do you guys consider late? 10, 11, 12 is what I consider late. Double digits. The middle is like 4 to 9, 5 to 9. Sort of depends a little bit on the year. JJJ at 10 is not a huge surprise. He uh, had a wonderful season last year once he got healthy pretty quickly, mind you. And no jaw, so he'll most likely have to do a little bit more. How? What What are the odds that he does keep up the four-plus defensive stats? Eh. That simple fact make, makes this one hard for me to go for. I, I Like, you've capped him out. Okay, maybe the scoring goes up from 18.5 to what? What do we think? 20? 20.5? 21? Probably at the absolute highest? But if blocks come down, that's where the hyper-elite value was. If he's at 2.5 instead of 3, it just feels like there's an awful lot of wiggle room there. And I know he stayed healthy after coming back last year, but that's always kind of hanging in the balance. There isn't what I'd call another super obvious choice at that spot. And sure, you sort of knock out blocks right out of the gate, but you're not really knocking out anything else. Okay, great. Roto, you've set yourself up to be top couple in blocks, but JJJ isn't even good fantasy-wise when you compare him to the rest of the league in any other statistical categories this last year. He was slightly better than average in scoring and rebounding and field goal percent and turnovers. He was dead average in three-pointers made ever so slightly sub-average in free throw percent, not good in assists, and, you know, best in the universe in blocked shots. And that's great and all, but that's not a guy you spend a first-round pick on. You need to be getting good in a few categories up at the top of the board. But this isn't, uh, this, this was not the point of today's podcast. I didn't want to go into why I would or wouldn't go along with some of this stuff. Kyrie Irving has a pre-rank of 11. I actually think that's not a bad spot. He finished last year per game number nine. Um, he he did have a chunk of games without Kevin Durant to pile up some numbers. He'll have a chunk of games this year without Luka as well. And he'll still have plenty to do. Remember, he was a top 10 guy even after the trade went down last year. So I don't think that we really need to freak out. Kyrie actually over the final 30 games was number six last season. Average 28 points, five board six assists he's in a spot where he's gonna still do a ton he's gonna have great looks alongside Luca and he's still Kyrie I was hoping there might be more fear there that would push him farther down the board but I, I again I just I think because after you get through Steph set first seven picks it's a little bit of a free-for-all last pick of the uh call it this hypothetical first round on Yahoo is Damian Lillard at 12 which, yeah, it's fine. I mean, we'll know more on his situation before you have to draft. He won't be the top five dame that he was in Portland. Of course, everything he does is tied up in his in just going and taking shots. And so each time you peel a little bit off of that, his value does drop sort of a bigger chunk Still, on the turn, if he does get traded, he's going to want to play through injury on a new team, really kind of prove things, make sure the fans love him, show that he was worth it, blah, blah, blah. Sort of a reasonable spot to drop him in there. Here's maybe the biggest surprise of the early going. And I, I just, I, 
I can't imagine that he ever actually falls this far. Giannis at 13. First pick of the second round here on the Yahoo X rank board. You guys know me. I am not a fan of punting things on draft night. But getting a player of Giannis's ilk, with all the things he is super elite at, it sure makes punting free throws look like a really easy direction to go this year. My biggest issue with punting free throws and taking Giannis at, like, pick three was that, and that's been happening for a couple of seasons now, was, was basically that you could get someone at that spot that helped you almost as much as Giannis did, but without the big wart. You know, you could have gone, whatever, it doesn't matter, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, but now all of a sudden, end of the first round, beginning of the second round, this is where those top, top, top guys don't really exist anymore, or at least not at the same frequency as they do when you're picking in the top five. You can build out a team with a punt strategy there. That's now probably the best strategy. If you got to pick at the end of the first round, you got to pick 10, 11, 12, something like that. Screw it. Go Giannis at that spot. Punt free throws. Because you're not going to get the guy up at the top. You're not going to get the Jokic, the Embiid, the Halliburton, the whoever else you want to throw up there. That's really, really good in almost everything. Those guys aren't around anymore. Now you're like, okay, well, I can go this route and I can take who's behind him, Devin Booker, which don't get me started on whether or not that one makes sense. I can go Devin Booker, who was number 29 per game, and it's not because you needed to punt something. It's because he was really only elite in points and free throws this last year. Or I can take the guy who was all world awful in free throw percent, Worst we've seen since Dwight Howard in his prime. Maybe worse, actually. I think it was worse. But his hyper elite in scoring, rebounding, and field goal percent. And good in assists. Good in steals. Eh, okay in steals. Good in blocks. Horrible in free throw percent. Now you take the guy that can get you super elite stuff in a bunch of different categories. And you throw a category away. That's a very different strategy on draft night than taking Giannis at three and deciding to punt when you could very easily build a team on a super stud without having to. Now you've got this. I mean, this is really, to me, this shakes up my whole thinking because suddenly I'm going into leagues now thinking, all right, well, you know, if I get stuck with a terrible pick, I might be a punt guy this year. I mean, you go get Giannis at 10. Let's see, who the hell came off the board early second round in this one? You don't have to take another punt guy there, but you could go with a guard second round that uh, that's maybe not the world's best foul shooter. Who's sitting in that bucket there? Well, let's see. We'll, we'll go through some of these players, and we'll figure out if any of them make sense. Uh, so Devin Booker is number 14. That one makes no sense at all to me. Booker, Again, was 29 last year, and he's uh, likely to see his stuff go down this season. That one, I, I would guess his ADP or his pre-rank will fall. They'll do a they'll do a board adjustment here, and he won't be at 14 after that. Lamelo Ball at 15 is an intriguing one. I thought he maybe would go a little later. He was number 30 this last year, but he wasn't healthy at all. Uh, kind of a field goal punt build this most recent season. 
But you can understand why people are still high on LaMelo. He's been in that early second round discussion before. He's been there before, actually. And if he stays healthy, then that makes a lot of sense. Here's one that also knocked my socks off. At 16, Kawhi Leonard. And I'm pissed about it, people. I'm quite annoyed. He was number 13 this past season on a per-game basis after a horrible start to the year. If you wipe out the beginning, he was a top-five per-game guy. But I also thought that people were going to be treating him like they did this last year. He is still coming off an injury. It's not the same, you know, full-season rebuild-the-leg injury that he had last year, and that's why he slipped into the mid-20s in a lot of drafts. But damn, I was hoping we could get him later. Because you know me and my games cap roto style. Now, suddenly we're spending pick number 16 on a guy that might get you 56, 58 ball games. Oh, boy. That's a tough one. I mean, you're looking basically at what Anthony Davis did this year, which is a top five per game, miss a third of the season, and AD finished at number 17. So I just don't know that there's a whole lot of value for Kawhi at this spot. But... Lucky for us, the board is still very early, and guys can still jump in front of him, and a few of them likely will. And a couple of them we'll talk about here in the next uh, four or five minutes. I'd like to wrap this thing up pretty soon. Mikhail Bridges is at number 17. Um, Between his durability and what he's going to do with Brooklyn, this feels like, uh, again, you're kind of capping him out a little bit on the per-game side. But by totals, he could blast past that. He was number six by totals this last year. Um, and he did that with a per-game marker that was well behind. What was he at? Number 31 per game this season. Past couple months, uh, once he got himself to Brooklyn, he moved up. He was into the 20s. High scoring. Efficiency came down. Steals came down. Stuff like that. So you do worry about some of those things, but... Mid to late second round on Bridges does kind of make sense. Freddie Van Fleet at number 18. He's going to be tabbed with doing a whole bunch of stuff in Houston, and this is fine. He was number 17 down the stretch last year. He's been a top 20 guy a number of times. Uh, he was actually more durable this season than folks gave him credit for. Played in 69 of Toronto's 82 ball games, and if you get to that mark again, he'll be fine. Jimmy Butler at 19. Another old guy. Yahoo's screwing with me right now. Damn, you could get him at 30 last year. I mean, that was a cakewalk. He was number nine by totals this past season. Now, if he gets Dame, you might see Butler take a few more games off. He didn't have that option this year because Miami wasn't very good. He had to play a bunch to just make sure they made the play-in tournament. If they pick up Dame... Uh, they'll be fighting to be above the play-in, so I think you'll see more rest out of Jimmy, especially after going to the finals again. <sighs> Another deep sigh. Last few names here. Donovan Mitchell at 20. He'll go earlier than that. He was number seven by totals this last season. There's nothing that happened year over year to suggest that he should fall. Um, he went at 21 in the mock draft I was in, but I don't think he goes that late most of the time. I think he'll I think he'll push his way back up the board. Um Anthony Edwards at twenty one, generally been seeing him uh talked about in a very positive light. He uh was number twenty two by totals this last year, played in seventy nine ball games. There is an expectation that he's about to take a leap forward in his per game stats. I'm not sure that I see all of it. 
He was a 25, 6, and 4.5 with 2.3 defensive stats. It's going to have to be both percentages for him because the usage isn't about to go up from almost 20 shots per ball game. And if it does, it certainly won't be by much. So what do we think the per-game jump is for, for Ant-Man? From 40 to 30? 25? That, to me, feels like the absolute best-case scenario per game. And then, yeah, by totals, he could push past that, I suppose. But I, I, that's a lot that needs to go right at the same time. Still, everybody loves him, so he'll probably go earlier, and that'll allow maybe some of these older guys to fall a little bit. Demonis Sabonis at 22. That one's totally reasonable. That's basically where he was this past year. He's 21 per game. He was also uh, extremely durable, although I, I do think Sacramento gets hit with some injuries this season. Sabonis was number eight by totals, so totally fine with that one there. James Harden at 23. We still don't know where he's going to be, but this hit could end up being a pretty good value on him. Paul George at 24 and Desmond Bain at 25. So nobody was, unfortunately, deterred by Desmond Bain being hurt for good chunks of last year. Womp womp. We were kind of hoping he would stay in those, those 30s to 40 range. He was number 35 per game, but everybody knows Jaw's going to miss a third of the season, and this might actually kind of wipe out how much love that we were going to have for Desmond Bain, but PG at 24, Harden at 23, maybe those will be the answer to the age-old question of which old guys are actually falling a little bit too far. Wherever Harden goes, he's going to have a lot to do. It's not like he's going to be a bit player. Even on the Clippers, he won't be a bit player. We'll see. We'll see where a lot of these guys end up when everything starts to shake out. So that's the fir- that's the top 25 in the Yahoo pre-ranks right now. I, a lot of surprises in there. But maybe the biggest ones are that old guys aren't being dropped in the board that far. And I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I've told you guys before, though, that the 25 to 55 range tends to be the spot where you see guys dip a little farther than they should. And that is very much still in play because some of the really big names you didn't hear in the top 25 are floating around in that 26 to 50. Cat, DeJounte, LeBron, Trey Young, Vooch, not a big name, but an old man favorite, DeMar DeRozan. So there are some names still floating about. Miles Turner. Fantasy big names, I guess I should say. Cat in the in the thirties is intriguing. So anyway, there's still some some uh, some meat on that bone, but it uh, it's going to be a different board this year, at least from the first look. And right around the thirty minute marker, we'll blow a kiss and float off into the distance. Oh, forgot to remind you guys to hang out with our buddies over at CalderaLab.com. Please don't turn off the podcast. We're doing a live read right at the end of the show, just the way the sponsors like. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Sorry, Dom, I forgot to do it in the middle of the program. Get yourself the regimen over at calderalab.com using promo code ETHOS to get 20% off your order. It's one minute in the morning, one minute at night to reduce the signs of aging and wear and tear on your man face. It's men's skincare. Done right for the first time at calderalab.com. Again, promo code is ETHOS. For 20% off, go check them out today. It's good to be back just in time to have a weekend. Have an enjoyable one, friends. And I'll be back with you guys on Monday. We'll be talking more Yahoo stuff when we return. And we'll probably get some YouTube things fired up 
Yes, I'm going to put my ugly mug back on camera, but at least I've been smearing the icon around my eyeball, so I'll look awake. We hope. Have a good weekend, everybody. See you Monday.